of all things Cherry Johnson at TheRealCherry.com. Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Well, Baxter Blue Glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter out 90% of the highest energy of blue light, eliminating 99% of the glare. This past year, we've all been glued to our devices way more than ever. I know that I wake up and then get on my phone just to go to my laptop, just to get back on my phone. Our exposure to digital light has soared and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Well, Baxter Blue is a force for good. They provide a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This eyewear is built for the digital age, and Baxter Blue has given our listeners 10% off of their next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kid classes. Just click the link in our show's bio for the exclusive discount. This is a sign that you've been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know that you'll love Baxter's, and we know that you'll feel the difference. Welcome to Cherry's World. The only podcast coming through your beat stereo is Cherry's World, so let's go around like a merry-go. Plug your phone in, make sure it got a full battery. Download it Wednesday, listen to it Saturday. She cover all topics, whatever you after. She got ball players, authors, doctors, actors, rappers, singers, entrepreneurs, divas, leaders, androids or Apple, turn up your speakers. Trying to shoot my shot like the vaccine, whether it's Cherry or Maxine, whether the podcast or acting, she that queen. PYT, you know what that means. Saw you you on TV and touch the screen, touch on you. I plead Lucy has got a crush on you. It'll mean the world to get a blush from you. Teaspoon to me, leave you sleep like Robitussin do. What up, Cherry? Hey, and welcome to Cherry's World Podcast. I am Cherry Johnson, and that over there is Mr. Courtney Blackman. And today I have one of the people who I love to follow most on social media right here with us tonight. He is one of my favorite comedians. He is a great actor, and you might know him from Survivor's Remorse or the Plastic Cut Boys, maybe even Tyler Perry's show, Assistant Living. That's right. If you haven't figured it out, I have Mr. Naeem Lynn in the house. Welcome to the show. This is Cherry's World. like to advertise on Cherry's World and have your product placed on Cherry's social media for the world to see. Email us now at cherriesworldpodcast at gmail.com for low introductory rates. Cherry's World Podcast. Get heard. Welcome to Cherry's World. Okay, so how you doing, babe? Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Well, I'm I'm uh I'm good, man. I'm happy to be able to do this for you and uh, do this for us, right? It's gonna benefit both of us, right? I appreciate it. You traveling today, huh? Yeah, yep. I've had a really busy uh, last few days. I'm shooting my um my comedy special tomorrow in Atlanta, so. 
exciting. Are you over there telling them old jokes about uh, men when they're ready to get married? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, though. Everything you said is true. Uh, I don't tell no lies on stage. You know what? You're one of my favorite people to follow. Oh, and yeah. One, yeah, on it, on social media. And one of the reasons why I really like following you on social media is because you're not falling into the pussification of what parents are teaching their children nowadays, especially in California. Mm-hmm. You're teaching your daughter like how to grow up and kind of defend herself with her mouth. Facts. The pussification. I, I think that's the first <laughs> time I've heard that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm teaching my daughter how to roast, but, yeah. you know, it's still coming from... Um, a fun and, and loving angle, you know, before we, we start, I always say like, we're doing this so that you, you know, if anybody bullies you, then you can defend yourself. Um, you never start with anybody. You never say anything bad about someone first. And um, and then when we actually do the roasting, um, I make her say something nice to the person after she cooks them up real quick, so. I love it. I'm an East Coast girl. And right. that's kind of how we grew up. In fact, Courtney, I know you don't know, but um, this man right here roasted me on Twitter. And that, <laughs> really? that's how I even started following him. What, what joke you say on Cherry? <laughs> oh, oh, I did? Yes, I, right? thought, I thought you said he did. What did I say? Oh, I don't remember. You did. I don't remember, but you lit me up one day. It had something to do with my forehead and all kind of other stuff. But I, I can see saying, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that, but uh, it, it clearly wasn't uh, too bad if you followed, you know, it, it must have made you laugh a little bit. I'm an East Coast girl. I love this student. Right. And so it actually reminded me of home. So where are you from originally? I'm from Pittsburgh. Okay. East, East Coast-ish. What do you mean East Coast-ish? It's not, there, a coast. There's no coast in Pittsburgh. I'm not See, well, you got the lake. You got the lake. You got you close to the lake, then, right? <laughs> yeah. Lake, lake Erie or some shit. I'm not down south. It's still East Coast. Okay. You from Jersey, right? Yep. Let's talk about the beginning. Okay. okay. Let's take it all the way back. But, but, but Cherry, before you do that, can I can I add to that? Um, I, I love to hear that because I didn't know I didn't know parents can teach their their kids to roast kids because that's the way we all grew up and um. My thing is, you know, uh, we're so sensitive now, and I I didn't grow up like that. So like, I, I I used to be the shit in grammar school. Then I got to high school and I realized I wasn't all that, and I used to get roasted. So I'm like, nothing bothers me no more. You can say whatever to me, right. it doesn't bother me, and right. I want to teach my kids that too. But they're like, well, no, nah, you can't say that. You can't. So like, tell me, tell me what made you go that way with your daughter? Because I, I love it. I love to hear stuff like that. Well, well, first of all, you know, because eventually I'm going to take this to YouTube. So the thing about it is I've already um, I've taken away all the ammo for the negative, the negativity that come that may come with it. Because okay. I told her, first of all, this me teaching her to be able to laugh at herself. You know, somebody says yeah. to you, you don't want to take it seriously. You don't want it's all in fun. And. You just have the ammo. I'm teaching her to like read the room. So just in case somebody say something to you, you already ready. You gonna you gonna you gonna read them real fast. So, um, but she can't. The rules are you cannot you cannot start with like when we do the videos. Somebody has to roast her first, and it's not other kids. It's always adults. So she'll say you go first, 
So it started because one day um, I was just going live and I was like, let me teach you how to roast. I was just having fun. And I told her, I said, when somebody says something about you, the first thing you have to say is, I know you ain't talking. Nah. Ain't talking. When you say, I know you ain't talking, that, that's your opportunity to think of something. That's how you stall them out. And you can say that as many times, you can say that three times. I know you ain't talking. Oh, I know you ain't talking. I know you're not talking. That's all stalling them out while you think of something funny to say about them. And like I said, we do that. And then after after that, she had to say something nice about the person. So it's really all in fun. And, um, you know, it's, it's YouTube. There's going to be some negative comments no matter what. But um, for the most part, I think it'll be good. I, I, might, I can't use this for this show. We might use it for a Patreon show. But can you help me personally real quick? My my daughter is a beautiful girl. Um, and she's my daughter's real, only five, by the way. Okay, mine is. Yeah, she's born. In, mine was born in 2010. Uh, whatever that is. That's 11, bro. 11, 11. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, she just turned 11. Um, so she's lighter skin, and wow. she got just a little bit of fuzz right here. And okay. I and, and I know nobody says anything now, but her little cousin said it to her a few years. Like you growing a little mustache, and she didn't know how to respond to that. So man, she uglier than you. Why are you worried about that? But you know. Can you give me like a joke that I can tell if someone ever says something like that to her? Because I don't want her to get to waxing and all that stuff right now. I don't even want her to worry about that. Look, my daughter got hair on her forehead. Okay. Like, like her whole, <laughs> like a, her whole forehead has hair on it, and she gonna have a unibrow and all that. Uh, you know, I, I would just tell her, <sighs> tell her so what. I, I, if, Everything is about instilling the self-confidence so that when somebody says something, you know, okay, so what? I'm still fine. Okay. Is, is it too fine. early? Is it too early? To, is it too early to say your mama a hoe? It's too early to say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, got, you ain't got to go there. You ain't okay, got to go okay. there. See, the thing is, you to take away any, any ammunition. So if you know something is wrong with you, you you mention it first. Or so somebody say, to, oh, you got a little mustache. And you, and you like, yeah, I do. Now what? I do. I'm still fine. If it was me, because I grew up with all boys, I'd have been like, yeah, I got a mustache and I'll punch you like a man too. Ah, okay. That's what would have came out of my mouth when I was like, everything is about, <laughs> everything <laughs> is about embracing, you know what I'm saying? We, we recording, so, I don't got to write it down. So if she already knows she got a little stash, like, it's all right. Yeah. It's I, I, I can wax this. What you going to do about that? Hey, now that's perfect. You can't, you can't wax your whole face. Ah, <laughs> see, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. I love I it. I want you to go back to talking about your daughter is five because our kids are around the same age. Mm -hmm. Is she going to school yet? Yeah, she's in kindergarten. She just started going to physical school last week. She oh. was in uh, Zoom school. So are you worried through this whole pandemic COVID thing with her? Yeah, I, I had COVID and I, when I tell you she was all over me, I, I, I had that once I found out, once I got a test, then I isolated myself. But the days leading up to it, I kept telling like, yo, back up, back up. Uh, you know, I think I didn't know. I mean, she caught all of my exhale. She was all over me. She didn't get sick, you know? <laughs> so uh, they practice social distancing at the school. Um, and she's fine. You know, I asked her, did she like going to school better than being at home? She said, yeah. So it's going to let her do what she want to do. I love it. You said you had COVID. Where yeah. did you catch it? How long did you have it? 
So that's the funny thing to me. People always want to know where did you catch it from? Like, like it really matters. Like it's an STD. <laughs> but, no, but like, did you have your mask on? Were you traveling? So, you travel a lot. So the crazy thing is uh, I caught it at, which was supposed to be one of my safe spaces, right? Uh, we have a, a studio that we normally do our radio show out of, but we haven't been doing it because of COVID clearly, but uh, there's a gym in there as well. So while the gyms have been closed, that was where I worked out at. And um, they started letting more and more people in there and they, they put a, a um, recording studio in there. And there was some girl that came through and I, she came through one day and you know a bunch of us were in there. And then she said, oh yeah, uh, a few days later she said, yeah, my dad has COVID. So just so you know. And then like four or five of us got that shit. And I, I didn't even have direct contact with her. So one of the guys that I, uh, that's doing a special with me tomorrow, Joey Wells, I did have contact with him. And he said that he, nobody wanted to take blame for giving it to you. He said, I got it from her because she was in the area. But I didn't even see that. I think I seen it from the back or something. And Joey J-Dub Wells. Right. So yeah. <laughs> I, got it, I got it at the studio, though. Wow. I didn't, I didn't have a mask on. I was working out. And like I said, I was supposed to be in my safe space. Right. Oh, I'm really sorry to hear that, but I'm glad for recovery, no side effects. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Um, I lost my smell and my taste for a minute. I was worried about that because I thought that everybody got it back. But then I started, you know, I went on Twitter and people were like, no, nah, I never got my shit back. Or I know people that they didn't come all the way back. I was like, oh, shit. So I was like, I was... I was uh, scared for like a day. I was in my feelings like, wow, if it never came back. That would be horrible. <laughs> I, I got it. You want to eat? You know what? Yeah. It was the smell. It was the smell I was more so worried about. Yeah. Like the food, because I already could taste a little bit. Um, so I felt like it was going to come back, but I couldn't smell anything. Dang. Like nothing. It was, it was weird. Wow. I'm not going to monopolize the whole conversation because I know Courtney want to talk to you too. But since we're talking about COVID, the FDA says that it, at this current time, they're not approving like the vaccines, even though people are out getting vaccinated and whatever, they ain't putting their stamp behind it. How do you feel? I didn't know that. Yeah, no, they said they weren't going to approve anything until they felt confident. And when you go to get the COVID um, uh, meridian, is that one of them? more Moderna. what is it called Moderna. there you go the moderna one they have a disclaimer on it and mm. it says the vaccine doesn't work for everybody okay like and then it's circled and highlighted so are you gonna go and get vaccinated nah nah that's out for me if i were to get one i would get the pfizer but um until uh, they take away my traveling privileges or something that's going to hinder me from um, making a living. Nah. And they said only 70% of the population needs to get it done. So I'm cool being in that 30. Right. And it's 30% already. So <laughs> keep on, people. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, Court. Go ahead. You can have it for me. No, I'm, go ahead and go back. Like you said, you want to start from the beginning. Oh, yeah, I want to start from the beginning. How did you realize you was funny? Was you a bad kid in school? Was you disruptive? Like, did your mama beat you a lot? None of the above. I was uh, I was a roaster, though. You know, we call it hiking where I'm from. So, you know, I talked a lot of shit. And, um, but not, I was not disruptive in class. 
maybe a couple, maybe like a couple classes where the teachers were, you know, pushovers. But for the most part, I was serious about my schoolwork. And um, I think, um, you know, I just loved Eddie Murphy. I, I was watching Saturday Night Live at five years old and, uh, uh, you know, all of his movies. The first movie I ever remember seeing um, at the theater was Trading Places. Oh, wow. So, you know, I was I was seeing a lot of shit that I had no business seeing at a young age. And, uh, you know, I just, I love to laugh. And then once I realized I can make other people laugh, it was just like something that I always had, had in the back of my mind. And, you know, I was silly in school, but I was more like, um, I was the kid that was that was funny, but then become annoying. You know, like, you're like, all right, all right. Like that, all right, we get it, like that type shit. And it is another dude who, um, one of my good friends who does stand up too, and he, he actually works with me. We we grew up together, and he just he had that knack for making people laugh at themselves, where it wasn't really like hurtful, you know. And I didn't really have that, so he started doing comedy in high school, and I was like, damn, because I I've been like I would watch Def Comedy Jam, I would tape it every week. I was just like, just loved comedy, and in the back of my mind, it was like something I kind of wanted to do, but I just didn't. I didn't think I ever would. I didn't think I, I didn't really know how to. Then we started doing, I had questions. And then I got in college and I was just like, I think I'm like, I don't, I don't know how it hit me. One day I just woke up, I was like, I'm gonna try to do some stand up, And then I did. And it worked. The first show was great. The second show I bombed. And you know, the bad thing about it was I was performing in front of my peers, my, you know, kids I went to school with. So you had, it ain't like you have a bad show and then you never got to see the motherfucker again. I had to see them the next day. <clears throat> so that's what made it more difficult when you did bad. So when I bombed that second show, I was like, nah, I'm not doing this no more. And then one of my boys just convinced me to try again. And I did like six months later. And then after that, I just stuck with it. Wow, I think you're hilarious. So I am so happy that you stuck with it because I know you have brought us in my house much pleasure. And me sitting on the cell phone like this, just giggling. Whether you was joining on me or somebody else. Uh-huh. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. One of the things I like about you as a comedian is like you said, you you, you tell it like it is. And um, and I think it's like uh, it was an old saying that uh, when a man says something to a woman, it's his delivery, whether mm-hmm. it's sexual harassment or not. You know what I mean? I I said that, I've said that before. Yeah. Okay. So, so you understand. So, like me, I'm a straight shooter when I tell people. It's like some of the stuff that you've said, mm-hmm. I've said it to close female friends and 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 loved ones, and they say you're a negative person. You have a negative <laughs> spirit. You have negative energy. But because I'm not funny, you know what I'm saying. So that's what I love. Everything that you say, like I, lo- I was watching this um at work earlier about marriage. Mm-hmm. It, it's all that stuff is true, man. Everything you said is the truth. Yeah. And if I tell somebody that, they like, you're a negative person. Don't don't bring that over here. So you that's gotta, a gift. Stop saying it in person. You got to text it and put an LOL at the end. Ah. <laughs> well, you're giving out all the gems tonight, you got, boy. You got a serious face. They don't know how to take you. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, I've actually said, I've said before, sexual harassment depends on if you like the person or not. Yeah. You know, if... <laughs> If a if a guy is trying to talk to you at work and you you got it bad for him and he say hey beautiful you look good today oh them pants look nice on you 
and you like them, then it's not sexual harassment. It's only sexual harassment to a motherfucker you don't want. Don't then know. it's inappropriate. I'm true. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, you can't just say, I, got, I, want, I want you to suck my dick. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, it depends on what they do. Like, don't touch anybody. No, nah, I didn't say anything about touching. I'm talking about compliments. Oh, compliments? You know, even if I don't like somebody or there's an old creepy, like, sugar daddy dude trying to get at me, I still appreciate the compliment. I still say thank you. Yeah, That's but we talk about harassment. We talking about like at the workplace. That's his only. It only can be harassment really at the workplace. Outside of that, it's catcalling. You can't press charge on somebody for trying trying to talk to you in a public place. It's work. So if you at work, let's say the director at your at your um you know for your show, uh, every day he says, uh, oh, "Man, you look you look you look great. You look great." I, but listen, I'm listen. The wrong one though, because I'd be like, "Thank you, Bobo." You know. But but, but what if he starts saying? Those those pants, I like the way those pants fit on you. Well, you know, I'm ignorant enough where if you said it like that, I'd be like, thank you, because you ain't never going to get them off me. I think well, there's a certain kind of, Yeah, I think there's a certain kind of woman that gets sexually harassed in that mm -hmm. manner, and there's a certain kind of woman that it doesn't happen to. I have been sexually harassed at work, mm -hmm. but it was physical. And to me- That's that, assault. That's sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I've been assaulted, but I assaulted back. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> <but> the fight. <laughs> yes. But I don't. I don't know. Just verbally, like, it's kind of hard to come at a girl like. Well, the thing is, once you say, "Yeah, I'm not cool with that," that's that's the problem. Like, like my mom is a boss, right? So my mom, she'll say, like, if somebody says something inappropriate, inappropriate to her at work, or she's not feeling it, she'll like she give you a warning. Yeah. You know, my warning, you say, you say, look, uh, that ain't appropriate. You know, let's let's. Keep that out of the workplace, yada, yada, yada. And that's it. Now, what you do with that information is what makes it harassment or not. You know, if you take that and say, oh, okay, all right, you know, sorry about that. No offense. You leave it alone. Now, if you come back the next week, you know, you kind of like pushing it. You know you want this, that type thing. Then it's a problem. Okay. But these days, you can't even you can't even say the first thing. It's no, it's no warning. That's really sad, though, because that makes men and women walk around kind of on eggshells. In fact, we had a whole sexual harassment seminar, and there was a bunch of things that we weren't allowed to say. And I was like, oh, my God, I think, like, I might sexually harass Soleil every day. <laughs> but, like, Soleil and I will be having a conversation on set, and we'll be like, wait, 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 because we were told that it doesn't matter if she's offended. Because I'd be like, oh, she's a hot mama. She is a hot mama. Right. You know, but I'm not allowed to say that at work because... It's not her that I have to worry about offending. It's like, it could be anybody on the set. Mm -hmm. So I, I really like, I'm nervous and I watch I, I, I feel like they make these rules, not expecting you to live up to them, but keep you in a space to where you don't go down here. Right. You know? So we, we, if we raise it all the way up here. When we don't want you to be, we raise it here. We don't want you to come down here. So if you stay in this space right here, then you're good. I believe that's what they what they want. Right, I appreciate it, but I, I kind of feel like it's a bit much sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying it doesn't happen, ladies, okay? So, but I'm just saying, if you need backup, I got you. You talked about how you liked Def Jam. You did all Def Comedy. Uh -huh. How did it feel to be able to walk on that stage after a franchise that you had been watching for so long? Um, I won't say that it was... Uh like a, a 
a great time or um, something. I wouldn't say that it was something super special in my career because it had been reinvented so many times. You know, um, when they first came back in like 2006 or seven, that would have meant more because it was still, I think, called Deaf Comedy Jam. Yeah. And, um, Bob Sumner, who was the casting director for the show, he didn't put me on in that first wave. And then um, then I got the opportunity to do Bad Boys of Comedy in 2007. And um, he was like, I was like, well, if I do this, can I do Def Jam too? He was like, he said, yeah. And then when I, I booked Bad Boys of Comedy, he hit me later like, yeah, man, I wish you wouldn't have done that. You know, you could have done Def Jam this season. I was like, you told me I could do both. He's like, I never told you that. Why would I say that? You know, these are shows are a competition. I was like, Dang, Bob. Yeah, I was like, all right, buddy. <laughs> I'm not even going to, I know what you said. Maybe he wasn't listening when I asked the question, but yeah, I know what he told me. And uh, yeah, so I missed out, but it's all good. It's all good. I'm not. I'm not worried about that. When when it was at its peak and it was changing careers, I wasn't even doing stand up yet. So, I guess uh, the reason why I'm stuck, like why I'm really kind of excited to talk with you. I got loved ones in my life. I got a girl in my life. Um, you know, that means a lot to me. She asked me, like I said earlier, asked me important questions, and I just tell her straight up, like how it is. And like I remember something you said: the more women your man cheats on with, cheats on you with the more uh, he loves you. What? And that makes, but see, men, I get that. And you want to explain why? Because I don't want to ruin your joke. Finish the rest of the joke so she understands. I'll let, yeah, go let you do it. I don't want to ruin your joke. So, I mean, I was talking about Tiger Woods and how, you know, he got caught with like 11 different chicks or whatever it was. And I was saying that, um, I said, you know, if a man cheats on you with a, a bunch of women, they don't mean anything to him. I said, it's when he has one, one, then that's when it's serious. Cause that's, that's his other girlfriend. Whatever you got for Christmas, she got that shit in white. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that was the, the point I was trying to make. I've also said that when you cheat, a man should cheat down versus up. So for the woman's ego, she yeah. wants to see a fine girl. I'm like, oh, well, I can see why he did that. That's what y'all think y'all going to say, but that shit ain't going to make you feel no better. It's probably going to make you feel worse because you're like, oh, oh, my God, she's beautiful. So I said, if you cheat with a chick that's not as attractive as your woman, then you can keep it physical. But if you find somebody that's finer than your woman, then why you don't got it's not going to be cheating. You're going to fuck around and leave her. You could do better. And that's true because if you, like you said, if you got one girl, you cheat, that's, that's not just cheating. That's an affair. Now you having an affair with somebody and that's deeper. That's some, that's some emotions tied up and all that right. kind of stuff. And see, I like that because see what you're saying. Like if I, I tell like a woman, if I tell a woman something like that, mm-hmm. like I said, they're going to say that's negative and you bring a negative energy and everything, but I'm telling them the truth. It's just like, I have a female, I have, look, check this out. I got two female friends, they family actually. They have told me the same exact thing about women. I didn't get offended. I was like, damn, that's real talk. They said, whenever you have a kid, you get that kid DNA because the woman knows whose baby it is, but you don't know whose baby that is until it gets here. And I've had plenty of women say that. I didn't get offended. She said, I don't care if you're married or what the situation is. But they were telling you something that benefited you, though. But I'm telling, I'm telling, but I'm telling a young lady who I love Mm -hmm. the same thing that you said. 
yeah, it's a good chance that the man you love might cheat on you. But the same thing is, if he's cheating on you with one girl, that's a something serious. If he got random hoes, then eh, don't worry about that. Yeah, he's just trying to get a nut. Yeah. Now, the thing is, I would never say that to a person. I, would, I only said it on stage. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. You're saying it because you're funny. But I'm actually having real talk conversations with people who I love. And I'm saying the exact same thing, but they but, don't like it. But that's not how he lives his life. Who? My mm -hmm. No, no, no. It's, it's just joke. I, I mean, oh, but he's telling the point, truth. There's truth in the joke. Did, but I'm, I'm speaking, I'm speaking facts though. Yeah, it's the truth. Everything he's saying is the truth. I don't know. You cheat on me eleven times. We got a problem. You cheat on no, me. No, he, he didn't say eleven times. He said with 11, eleven people. Right. So you, I, I'm just, I'm just putting things into perspective. I'm not saying that that is, it's good or bad or it's supposed to make you feel better. I'm just explaining to you the mind of a, of a man, because if there's one, then he's giving that person a lot of time. And when you give a person a time, a lot of time, then you're building a connection with them. And that's where serious feelings get involved and all of those things. Okay, so what if it was the opposite way? Like, what if, you know, she was married and she got 11 dudes on the side? Does that make y'all feel good? So, so, so women, women are becoming more and more like men these days, but typically yeah. a woman is not just out there cheating for physical shit. It's like there's some type of emotional connection. So women are usually different, but women are becoming more more like men these days and they could definitely do the same thing. And- um, Do you think they're becoming more and more like men or is it just because of social media now? It's just now it's all coming out that they, they always been like that. It's no, just now you- I don't think women have always been like that. Speaking from a woman, I think we're starting to become revengeful. And we're starting to treat people the way they've treated us because back in like the 50s, you know, our grandmothers needed our grandfathers. Because they, they had no job. Yeah, they couldn't pay their bills. They couldn't feed their children without them, right? And so, a lot of them didn't even have a fucking license. They couldn't. They, my they, grandmother they, never drove. Mine either. They couldn't Ever. get nowhere. So, yeah, but, but as far as men, it was worse back then because our grandfathers and shit had whole whole family on the other side of town, yep. you know? The, they were they were way more reckless. grandfathers don't sound like my sperm donor to me uh, or, or fathers whatever they were more, <laughs> way more reckless back then but now uh because of social media and you know uh cell phones and all those things people are just getting caught caught more and it's looking it's just like it's like um with police shooting black men like it seems like it's at an all-time high now because people are recording it when this shit's oh. been going on forever and it was probably worse back then yeah, that's true. I definitely see it like that. Let's talk about this Tyler Perry's assistant living. Great so show. Jeremy. <laughs> it's a great How did show, that baby. come about? A lot of people don't understand because he shoots in Atlanta, right? But don't you live in Los Angeles? I do. I do. And uh, he'll shoot three seasons in five days. So you don't need to be down here long. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but he shoots really But good. you're telling the truth. Well, I, I just shot season three and we we had uh, 10 days of filming, 22 episodes. Damn. Yeah. So can I ask a personal question? Mm -hmm. Because this was my life with Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. He was doing that when he first started. He was shooting like 22 episodes mm -hmm. in maybe 10 to 15 days. But the crew and the cast was only being paid as if they were shooting one episode. And instead they were shooting like three or four that week. I don't know anything about that. I get paid per episode. Uh, 
I know that I, I've heard rumors of, you know, Stab not having health insurance at one point, but he got it all the way together now. You know, he got, he has his own, a real studio. You know, the other studio was real too, but it was smaller. But now he has like a the studio that used to be a, um, a, a civil war, a civil war uh, Confederate army base wow. here in Atlanta, which is where I'm at now. And um, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's huge. And uh, so many other productions are using his studio. So, you know, he, he takes care of us. He takes care of us. And you know, awesome. Tyler Perry just mastered the art of uh, spending a little money and making a lot of money, you know? And uh, that's why he's wealthy right now. And all of his shows do well. So he's doing something right. Is you he know? quarantining you guys while you're there working? So so uh, when I was doing uh, the last season two of season three, we're in the bubble. So you can't leave the studio at all, at all. And he puts up, puts us up in these houses that are on this, on the uh, lot. So, yeah, and we have to wear masks when we leave the house, and we have to get a COVID test every four days. And um, huh? I was gonna say, I said, oh, every four days. I was like, Universal was swabbing us daily. We got swabbed, and we weren't allowed to go anywhere, but. They put us in a trailer for 15 minutes after we got swabbed and we literally weren't allowed out of our trailer. Mm -hmm. And we had our mask and our shield on, but we weren't allowed out of the trailer until our results came back. And could you leave the studio at all? No, we were pretty much, I mean, we had apartments right outside, but we were pretty much there. Yeah, so what happens is they start testing us like four weeks before, then they test once a week. Mm -hmm. and, and then uh, when we get there, we have to take a test immediately before we can go to our house or before we can leave. We go to the house. You can't leave the house until you get a negative uh, test. And then we test every four days and we have to wear a mask when we leave. And for me, it's, it was it's a lot because it's like we get tested before we get here. Everybody here is clean and we can't leave the studio. So unless a bird is coming around <laughs> spraying COVID on us, then... Nobody can get it, but it just, you know, better safe than sorry. And I understood it. I didn't complain about it. You know, it is what it is. I was thankful and I was actually really happy at work mm -hmm. because of it, because I felt like it was a safe place. Right. Sister Living is a great show, brother. Uh, uh, Jay Anthony Brown is one of my favorite comedians of all time, man. Tell me what it's like working with him. Man, Jay is, uh, Jay reminds me, he's like, he reminds me of myself sometimes, like his uh, sense of humor, like he's he's like almost 70 years old, but he's still got that kid shit about him a little, he's kind of immature, you know, mm -hmm. he's funny as hell, he's a really nice guy, um, you know, I, I love working with him, I, and he's nothing like I expected him to be, because I never really met him before the show. Oh, okay. Um, I had, and I actually, boy, he has a comedy club in LA that I boycotted because his son, you know, the club is by the airport. It was like a good 30 minutes from me. And this is way back in like 2009. I went there to perform and I had on a white t-shirt. It was like a, you know, V-neck fitted white t-shirt and the bouncer wouldn't let me in. I'm like, fuck me, like I'm performing. You know, like oh, no white t-shirts. I'm like, but I'm, I'm performing. So he went in and got uh, Jay's son and he popped his head out and was like, nah, he didn't even come out and talk to me. They had, like it was a glass door and then there's a, the showroom door is right behind the glass door. So he picked out the uh, showroom door, looked at me and was like, no. And I was highly offended by that. Like I'm coming out here to do you a favor, motherfucker. I'm not even getting paid. So oh, wow. I, I'll never go there again. And 
because how his his son was, and a lot of people have problems with his son. I I just didn't know what to expect from Jay, you know. But Jay is like he's such he's such a nice guy, man. He's so cool, and we shared house house together um, on the last two seasons. And you know, I just kind of was like looked at him like you know looking out for my pop, you know. You know, I bring his scripts upstairs, slide them under his door, whatever he needed. You know, that's that's my dog right there. Yeah, y'all are so funny together, man. It's a, it's a it's a funny show, man. Yeah, I can't wait for everybody to see season two and three because season one was hard for me, and really? when I watched it back, I wasn't pleased with it. So I, I I was able to watch it and say, okay, these are the adjustments I need to make. So I feel like I did really good on season two and three. So I'm just I'm excited for people to see that. But I feel like it's always like that, right? Like you got to get your feet wet, get your chemistry, get in your groove and your character. And then as the seasons go, you right. grow. Well, I think for me, it was, it was the adjustment of doing a sitcom for the first time. And it was also the, the pace that we were uh, taping at. And then also, like my guy is kind of like the straight man. So was trying to figure out how to be funny within being the straight guy, you know? And before I watched, before I started season two, I, I was I was like watching Sister Sister, right? And I was seeing, looking at uh, Ray. I, I can't remember his real name right now, but the guy that plays the father. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, he's kind of, he's like, he's like kind of nerdy, quirky. You know, he's he's got this dad, dad vibe down really good. You know, and I'm like, um, I just, I just took from that. I'm like, all right, I can't be like that, you know, but I just got to figure out my 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 spots and how to be funny and just make sure my energy is up at all times. And that's how I approach season two. And um, I think that, like, I haven't seen it and I was hoping that season two would air before season three so I can make even more adjustments. But I think that uh, I, I left feeling confident. Season one, I was like, I don't know how that's going to come out. And then I saw it and I was like, mm-mm. Because, you know, I've done acting before. And I've always gotten praised for for the little bit of work that I've done. Uh, wait, don't downplay yourself, bro. Hmm? No, no, no. I've only before no. this, I've only done Survivor's Remorse. I've done one episode of Shameless, and that was it. And Survivor's Remorse I only did five episodes. Didn't you do um, the House, the the Husbands of um, whatever that I is? Did, I did one episode on there, and I played myself. I was, and it was real. It was like really, really quick. It was just like I was on stage, and I, I. Uh, Husbands of Hollywood, the house husbands of Hollywood. That's the real right. husbands of Hollywood, real husbands of Hollywood, yeah. And um, then I went like in the green room and had a quick conversation with Kev and it was just like, Millie, I was really just like saying what over and over, what, what what I do? Like, that was it. But I think you were funny and that's not you. Uh, I won't say that it wasn't funny, but it was just like, I'm just saying that I didn't have much experience as an actor prior to this, but the things that I've done prior before this, I was better at. So now, you know, having a leading role and, you know, uh, finally getting that moment, you know, you just want to do well. So, um, I think you did. I think you do a good job. You're very believable as a dad on that. So, you know, you know, I'll let me at the season two and tell, and tell me if you think it was, it was better, but I appreciate the, uh, the love already. This is Cherry's World. Head over to Grits Teas. That's G-R-I-T-T-E-Z.com. They've got something for everybody. Athletics, humor, spiritual, and the woke communities. Come express yourself through apparel that communicates passion and perseverance. Use the checkout code CHERRY and you'll get 10% off of everything right now.
The NBA is back. We have NBA playoff tickets. Don't even worry about the fees and the taxes because our partners, Lime Events, Less Is More, is taking care of all of that. Contact Less Is More at sales at getlimetickets.com or call 202-930-3533 and use the promo code CHERRY to see your favorite NBA team in the playoffs. The playoffs is back. Cherry's World Podcast is back partnering with Less Is More Events. Get lined. Okay. Uh, so tell me, okay, so you say you don't have a lot of experience acting, but you have a ton of experience writing. Uh, writing jokes. See, so if you if you look at if you look at me on IMDb or whatever, then it's going to say like writer, which I don't know why because they, I think I've got a writer's credit for like Laugh My Pain, one of Kevin's specials, but I've never done any writing. Only writing I've done. Um, I wrote a pilot for HBO, a show that I sold that did not get picked up. And that's the only real writing credit I have other than writing for myself. What about the Plastic Cup Boys? That's that's our comedy special. But I'm saying, that's the writing credit? I wrote my, my, my routine, that's it. So is it different delivering somebody else's words than delivering your own? Absolutely. It's, that's much more difficult for me. And actors look at it the opposite. They're like, oh, it's easier because I don't have to worry about, you know, I'm just doing what somebody else wrote. And I'm like, when I write my own shit, I know how I want to deliver it. When I'm delivering someone else's writing, you have to translate and, and hope that you... That you got it right. Yeah. Uh, how, how did you meet Kevin Hart? Um... Uh, so I met him um, for the first time. He was hosting a little comedy show at my college because when I first, like I said, when I first started, I was only performing at my school, okay. and um, that's how I met him. Then we just got cool from being on the Philadelphia comedy scene. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, so I don't want to keep you forever, but I have to let you know that my daughter and I had this conversation about you. Tom and Jerry was my favorite cartoon growing up. It okay. is something that my daughter and I do together. So I'm really excited about you doing Meathead's voice. What was it like to be able to go in the booth and do? Are you laughing at me, Courtney? No, I'm just, oh, just like I, I forgot that was man. I forgot about that. That's right. It was a good movie, man. Good movie. Yes, I was just about to tell you this is something else that I can't really take credit for. Um, uh, so Tim Story, who was the director, um, he reached out to us and he said, "I, I think the Plastic Cup Boys would be cool to do the voices for the Alley Cats." So we uh, went to our studio. We went in the booth, and uh, we just. I think we just kind of did a little improv or something, or maybe they had some lines. I can't remember, but I went in there <clears throat> and then I didn't hear anything. And then they reached out to us a few months later and was like, uh, here's some lines, just record yourself doing this. And I had like one line. It was like, I don't know, ouch or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, then um, Harry, who was kind of, he's one of the Plastic Boys and he was the person that was in contact with Tim he said, all right, so Tim's not going to use you. They're only going to use uh, a couple of us. So I said, all right, whatever. A couple months go by again. And uh, production is reaching out to me, telling me I need to sign a contract. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm, I didn't do it. Y'all said y'all wasn't using me. They're like, well, uh, they end up using you. So we just need, uh, you know, we need you to sign this. And then they were pressuring me to sign it. And I was like, I was about to say, just leave me off that shit. I don't <laughs> like. I, I was I was getting annoyed because then they wanted like 
time card and all that. They, like, there was no time card. Like it was a DocuSign form, but you had to fill out everything on the form or you couldn't submit it. So now I'm getting frustrated. So finally we, we figured it out. I sent it in and then um, I ended up getting so much love just off of having my name at the end. You know, like when I watched it, I was like, I think that's me. Cause you know, when you, when you do voiceover work, you don't sound exactly like your voice. It sounded a little different. So I was like, I think that was me right there that said something, but I wasn't sure. But at the end where they had all of our names and, you know, people were screenshotting that and sending it to me, all my friends from like high school and growing up and all. And they were like, oh, this is so cool. I watched it with my kid. I'm like, I'm getting more love on this shit than I'm getting on my TV show. <laughs> and this was a damn accident. So, but, you know, hopefully I get a little residual check, a little $30 or something. Uh, <laughs> it all goes to the bank the same. Hey, give me your top five comedians of all time, brother. Me, 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 and Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Well, who's the fourth guy again? <laughs> my top five, uh uh Eddie Murphy's number one because he's he's my inspiration. Um uh Dave Chappelle's in there. This is no rent, no order. Just Eddie Murphy's number one. After that, it's just whatever. Uh Dave Chappelle, Kevin Hart, um, you want the explanations why? Oh, keep going. Yeah, but keep going. I want to know who your fourth or fifth one is. Um, hmm. Um, I would say, I would say probably Chris Rock. Yeah, I was and, leaning toward Martin Lawrence for you. That's what it seemed like. So Martin, Martin at one point was definitely in my top five. He probably would have been number two, but I don't, I don't like his recent work. So. Oh. He's not him. He's no longer in my top five. After that, I would say, um, hmm, maybe, maybe Bill Burr, or, or uh, I mean, you know what? I got, I got to put Richard Pryor in there. Got to put Richard Pryor. So I'll say Eddie Murphy, um, Dave Chappelle, Richard Pryor, Kevin Hart, and uh, Chris Rock. Yeah, okay. Right, you, you, you give us explanations or so. Um, Eddie Murphy, because he's my inspiration. Kevin, because of just, just being there witnessing it all and seeing the work ethic, which I believe is unmatched. Um, you know, whether you whether you think he's super funny or not, it's like his ability to keep putting out special after special. And, you know, um, he can create a set so quickly because he's a storyteller. Yeah. So with me, I'm kind of joke, 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 joke. So it takes a longer time, but he may do a story that takes 10 minutes. Yeah. And that's how you can put together an hour so fast. So just just what he's done and me being there for the ride and just the work ethic just makes me appreciate him so much. I like Chris Rock because um, I like his ability to, to go political. And, uh, you know, he just says, th he, he just puts a joke together so well and just like, you know, even if you don't laugh, you're going, you're going to clap. You're going to like, he's spitting. He, he's saying some, some facts. He's saying some real shit. Uh, Dave Chappelle, because he, and Chris Rock said this about Dave Chappelle. He said, this is what a free black man looks like. Yeah. And Dave Chappelle just, uh, he, he doesn't report to anyone. He doesn't do any movies, any TV shows where he has to curb the way he, the things that he says. He has a cult following, and no matter what he says on that stage, no matter if it's offensive or you're offended by it or anything, whatever, 
he's still going to sell out shows mm-hmm. and he, he's unapologetic. And, and on top of that, he's funny. He's funny. Um, I feel like now he's kind of becoming more of a, um, I mean, it's almost like a, like a, uh, like a minister or something like a, he's like public speaking. Cause he don't even care about the laugh anymore. He's more, he more, care, more so cares about saying things that are profound. Mm-hmm. And I have moments like that in my comedy, but if you don't, I, right, so here's, here's, a, here's a good example. Dave Chappelle can get on stage, smoke a cigarette, tell a, a joke, get a punchline or laugh every five minutes and it's okay because he's in that space of freedom and people are just holding on to every word. They don't care. They'll, they'll sit there. You don't have to have energy. You could be like, you know, lazy with it and they're going to sit there and hold on to everything he says because of the work he's done to get to that point. Yeah. I'm at that point where I can't do that. Like I got to, I got to make people laugh every 15 seconds or they're going to get bored and whatever. So I can really appreciate that about him. And then Richard Pryor, the honesty, you know, um, fearless, get on stage, you'll talk about his addictions, talked about sucking the dick, you know, he talked about everything. You, you didn't catch that, but he, he, he said it before. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and I, don't, I don't admire him for sucking a dick. <laughs> I admire him for for being honest. And, um, you know, he's before my time. So I never, it took me a long time to really appreciate him because, (laughs) you know, my my father, like, you know, Rich Pryor, he is the man, you know? And then um, I had to watch him over and over again and just really appreciate what he did and and how uh, he was a trendsetter. And he was just like, he he was before his time. So yeah, you gotta you gotta give love to the goat. Oh, okay. I have one last thing for you before mm-hmm. Courtney, and I know we gotta let you go soon. Your job has given you the opportunity to travel more mm-hmm. than a lot of our black men have traveled. How important do you feel that it is to travel, and what have you learned along the way of traveling? Because that's that's one of the biggest perks I think I've ever got from being in this business. Um, traveling is, is so, so important, especially for, for black people, you know, black people, these motherfuckers ain't never been out of their own state. Mm-hmm. It's people that ain't never been on no airplane, you know, traveling for a, a black family when we were growing up was like driving down South for the, for, <laughs> for a family reunion. Yep. <laughs> you know, you have been in the state that you lived in and then wherever the family reunion was, that was the place that you've been. But Fortunately for me, I've been traveling my whole life, even before I became an entertainer, because my dad is a flight attendant. My dad's been a flight attendant since 1984. So I've always been able to travel. I mean, the first big trip I took was to Hawaii when I was seven. You from Trans? I'm from, no, I'm from, I'm from Hillside. I'm from North Jersey. Oh, okay. I was going to say, oh, you wanted them rich boys. See, I had it. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm from Newark area. Definitely, definitely wasn't rich. I, I flew for free. <laughs> So, and the only reason I went to Hawaii is because my uncle was in the military there. So I went there to see him. That's awesome though. It wasn't like I was on no beach, you know, I was in an army house. (laughs) So, um, but uh, traveling for work uh, has taken me internationally. You know, so I've been to, um, um, I've been to every continent except for Antarctica. 
Because I've, I've been, okay. I've been to, uh, and I'm in the South America either. So, um, when you travel, so my uh, first, let me say my first two places that I, my favorite two places that I've been have been Australia, and then in Africa I've been to South Africa, which is where my wife is from, and those are the only two places that I, the only place I've been in Africa is South Africa. Um, but I went, I went there for a trip. It wasn't for work. Um, I just wanted to like get some culture. And I, I had heard like, I had some friends that been there and they were like, yeah, you gotta go. So I wanted to go somewhere I get some culture, but I wouldn't be in a bush. You know, I wanted to, um, you know, somewhere that I have all the amenities that I need. So um, I went there and it was, it was a great, great experience. Um, you know, Africa has this negative perception on it because of the American media. And, you know, the only thing they showed us when we were growing up was the starving children. And, you know, you can feed a child for this, that, and the other. And um, even the even the poorer countries are still beautiful, you know? So I would suggest that all people, all Black people make a trip to Africa, you know, find, and I want to go back, I want to go to Nigeria and, and probably Ghana. So, you know, find where you want to go. And, but whatever country you go to, you can get some culture. You know, that's that's a fact. And I went to um, the Apartheid Museum, which is really life-changing. Uh, went to Nelson Mandela's house. The Apartheid Museum uh, was life-changing because it was pretty much equivalent to our civil rights movement, but it was while we were alive. Right. So, you know, when you're growing up, you're kind of beating the head with Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and, you know, all of those things. And you kind of, you're numb to it because you're like, ah, my grandmother dealt with that shit, you know? Yeah. But to experience, to see something that was happening that you could have been a victim of, because it was happening up until I was 13 to 14 years old. Yeah. It, it made it, it made the, so it made our movement resonate more. Mm. So... But uh, when you travel the world, man, you see like, yo, there's so much out there. You, you know, people love the black American, well, not everywhere. You know, you go to, yeah. there's racist motherfuckers everywhere. But uh, it's good to get out and know where you want to be in the world. Cause you may not want to be here. It's good to get out, you know, when people think you, soulmates, soulmates which is bullshit but you think you find your soulmate at your high school you ain't met nobody it's 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 eight billion people in the world you ain't met nobody else you think this is it and maybe it is but you know you got to get out there and really experience the world and it's a lot of beautiful places and there's a lot of amazing places i've been to uh, thailand i i performed all over europe pretty much anywhere where they speak english um, i've been to norway uh sweden denmark I've been to Germany, UK, of course, Ireland, formed in France, all these places and, and the shows were amazing. So yeah, I encourage all black people to travel the world as much as you possibly can and travel the country too. But after, all, after saying all of that, I still would rather live here. And mainly because I'm an entertainer because you know this is where it's at when it comes to you know, the big screen. If, if I wasn't an entertainer, then I, I wouldn't mind living somewhere else. Hey, I could tell Eddie Murphy really is uh, your inspiration. You met your wife in Africa, huh? Man, I got jokes about that shit too. I like said. Eddie Murphy raw, huh? Yeah, yeah, um, um, foo -foo. <laughs> um, foo -foo. 
difference is the difference is uh I got down there and realized her and her family had way more money than mine. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, she picked me up in a in a Mercedes truck. I was like, oh shit. Said, yeah, all right. I'm about to rob them. <laughs> it's my know, last. About to save them. I went down there and was like, I'm about to rob these motherfuckers. But yeah. This is my last question for you. Do you think um is it is it harder? The more successful you become, mm-hmm. you, is it harder to be funny? Uh, it, right now it's it's harder for me to be to be funny because of uh, cancel culture. It oh. just makes you it, it makes you um, stay away from certain things that were okay before. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still an edgy comic. You know, I'm going to say some offensive shit, but it's certain things you got to just stay away from. Of course, like you know, LGBT stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, the way I vision, the way I look at myself and my levels of success is much different than outsiders or other people look at it. You know, I feel like, you know, I, I accept, I kind of accept being famous now because I have a TV show that comes on every week, you know, and I'm, I'm one of the stars of it. But I feel like when you're really famous, like people recognize you everywhere you go, you know, you're going to, people are going to ask you for autographs and all those things. and. That's not what I experience. So I kind of look at myself as more of an entertainer than a celebrity. I guess I want to follow up on that. I guess because a lot of comedy comes from when you, the struggle, you know what I mean? And and when you stop struggling, is it harder to be funny? That's why a lot of people criticize Kevin right now. You know, he's, they say the things he talks about aren't really relatable, but Kevin talked he's heavy, heavy family material. So, um, uh no to answer your question no i don't think it's made it harder harder for me to be funnier to be funny with my success because nah my recipe is not really you know i don't i don't talk about uh happy things or uh the things that i have so no no, I don't. I don't see that ever really becoming a problem. It could be, but I'm not going to put that out there. I'm going to say that I'll always be okay. Terry, this is my last question. Uh, <laughs> why, why, why can't we joke? Why can't we joke with the LGBTQ crowd? Because they they can joke on straight people. I, if it's funny, it's funny. I heard someone say they can take a dick, but they can't take a joke. I, like, why? Morgan said that, and he got in trouble for it. So who said that? Tracy Morgan. Oh, he got in trouble for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So I mean, because they're the powers that be, they running all this shit. So, but if it's funny, it's fun. Like, why can't it just be fun? So, so I mean, I, I I do have, I I did have some jokes that I told on our last tour that some people found it to be offensive and some people found it to be funny. Like I had this joke about Caitlyn Jenner, and um, the show the joke was killing the whole tour. And I was calling him, I was calling her. So it wasn't until we got to Toronto where I did this show. And then there was a transgender person in the audience who got upset with the joke. And they got upset because, mind you, I'm the third comic. And then Kevin goes on after me. So, and at that point in my set, I was probably 10 minutes into the set before I did that joke. So the person, sat down, was coming in and sat down while I was doing that joke. So they sent me this long ass 
hateful message on Facebook the next day and was saying how they felt the room was closing in on them and everybody was laughing at them and this, that, and the other. And I handled it well, and we got into a debate, and, and it was like calling all trans. Like, I got a, like, they, I guess they, you know, maybe this person, I don't want to say he or she, because I don't know what what their new gender was. I'm, so I'm just saying they. Um, and it was just a whole bunch of people that were like messaging me that I guess were cool with them. And the one thing that I took from that debate, you know, because I had mad people were on my side. The one thing I took from that debate was that they didn't like that I was calling Caitlyn Jenner a he. They wanted me to respect what she now identified with. So I said, all right, I can respect that. I'm going to keep doing the joke, but I can respect that part. And I will, from this point on, call whatever, call a person whatever they identify with. And that's how I've been ever since. But the joke, I mean, the joke was fucking, it was funny. You know, it was more so about Caitlyn giving herself a baby name. Like, you you, you old as shit. Like, <laughs> that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you should still be able to make that joke. That's funny. <laughs> like, your name should be Blanche. <laughs> the golden girl ass out here. You know, like exactly. that was. That is that was funny. Joke. And then I went <laughs> on to talking about, um, Chick-fil-A. I still want to do that joke tomorrow. I'm not going to do it, but Chick-fil-A, I'm just like, you know, uh, Chick-fil-A don't fuck with, Chick-fil-A don't fuck with gay people, you know? Or black people, I thought. They don't fuck with Sundays, niggas, and gay people. (laughs) But I said, it's so good that, you know, I I said, said, Chick-fil-A is so good that I seen two gay guys protesting outside one day and got tired and went inside and got a sandwich. (laughs) Hey, those sandwiches be good, though. Hey, fuck that. This shit good than motherfucker. You know, honestly, I've never eaten Chick-fil-A because of that. It's worth it. It's, it's a good chicken sandwich. You know, I, mean, you know, I, I, stopped, I boycotted them because they uh, they endorsed Donald Trump. So I boycotted yeah. them. And then when uh, he lost, I said, all right, so we can go back, right? <laughs> I've been there because they don't support gays and black people. I'm like, well, they don't need my little black money. You go try. Have, don't go. Have somebody bring it to you. Uh, <laughs> that way you didn't you didn't pay for it. You didn't go there. Have somebody bring it to you. And then when you before you eat it, call me. I'm gonna tell you how to eat it correctly. So There's a way that you have to eat it. Yes. So you have to get the Polynesian sauce, and you gotta. You got to dip your fries into the Polynesian sauce. You got to put the Polynesian sauce on your chicken sandwich. Mm. I'm, I'm maximizing it for you. You ever have Chipotle? Yeah. Some people go to Chipotle and they don't see what the big deal is. They're eating the wrong thing. You're eating it wrong. Chipotle, you got to get a burrito bowl. You got to use the Chipotle Tabasco sauce. And you got to get a bag of chips. And you take the chips and you dip it into the burrito bowl. Nice. And you got to get bar- barbacoa. Mmm. The okay. the best. I guess I'm gonna have to call you before I be eating stuff. Yeah. Now you can tell me what, yeah. what am I supposed to order again? You gotta maximize the experience. Yeah. So. That's hilarious. You know my character on Punky's gay. Really? Have you seen my girlfriend? Uh, who's your girlfriend? She's kind of hot. Her name is Jessica Nicole. Mm, okay. So, did they do like flashbacks to show where you might have been gay earlier when it was uh? <laughs> 
They yeah. haven't yet, but maybe they will. I mean, maybe. I always had on like jeans and and shirts, and I was very tomboyish, but I really was in real life. Yeah. Um, and I was boy crazy. I think that should have been like the dead giveaway that Cherry was so boy crazy. I was overcompensating. So when they uh, when they told you that this the character was going to be, how'd you feel about it? They didn't tell me. They mm-hmm. called me and asked me mm-hmm. how I would feel if Cherry would be gay. It was a storyline. They had pitched several different ones. Um, when we did the pilot, they didn't know. I had on my ring and I asked them, should I take my ring off? And they said, no, 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 keep your ring on. It's okay. We know you're in a relationship and it's a great relationship. We just don't know with who. And mm-hmm. I said, okay. So I kept it on. And then when we got picked up for the season, I got a phone call from the producers who wanted to talk to me. You know, those phone calls are always like, okay. The room was fired. <laughs> right. The room was like silent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it was it was quarantine, so I couldn't see anybody's face. I just heard that they were on speakerphone. Mm-hmm. And they were like, hey, so we pitched this and we were wondering how you would feel if Cherry was less or Cherry was queer. Mm-hmm. And I said, is queer not nice to say? Like I had to have a whole education, but like I was like, I'm queer, okay. And mm-hmm. they were like, do you have a problem with her being gay? And so me, I hit him with, look, what I need you to do is I need you to get me a bad bitch. I need some TNA for everybody to look at. The room got silent, right? Because I'm like, I've heard my whole life from men, you were my first crush, especially Black men. There weren't a lot of Black women on TV then. It was like me and Tootie and Janet Jackson. Yes. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, I need for them to have some eye candy to look at as well. So the room was like quiet. And I was like, hello? Well, my thing was just, you know, can I have another lipstick and, you know, can it not be stereotypical what you give me? Right. And they were like, yeah. And they were like, oh my God, we didn't know how you were going to react, but that's not exactly what we expected. You know, you know my mouth. So I said it a lot more probably vulgar than mm-hmm. I just said it right now. And they were giggling and they were like, are you sure you have no problem with that? I said, I think it's great. Because who are you going to give me? People are going to complain either way. If they gave me um, some black man who I don't don't even know, but for whatever reason, they weren't going to like them. If they gave me Alan, the white boy on the show, then it was going to be a problem because it was going to be interracial. Mm -hmm. But they gave me a woman who's gorgeous. And I've gotten some flack for it, you know, from my straight Christian community. Um, And we go at it. You know, and I, I love the fact that representation really matters and it matters with the character that you've known your whole life. So if you've known me for 37 years and then you find out I'm gay, yeah, you come to this crossroads where if you don't know if you like me or not, that's really more about you than it is about me. You know, when they hung up after the call, they were like, I knew she was gay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's possible. <laughs> But I can say that the producers actually stuck up for me because, you know, when it was time to do the upfronts this year, we had to do it virtually. Mm-hmm. And they made us go through like this media training, which Soleil and I thought was hilarious because we had more fun with the mediator and he was trying to do his job for a man. But he came to me and he said, okay, now you know they're going to ask you. Uh, everybody wants to know, are you gay? Mm-hmm. And so my response was, are you hitting on me? <laughs> 
it's time for dinner, you know, but the producers butted in right away and they were like, you know, we never even asked her that. And they didn't, they didn't ask me whether I was gay or straight or anything. Right. They didn't know how I felt about the character. And I really appreciate that. To this day, they still have never asked me. So you can um, you can uh, catch me on uh, Instagram at Naeem the Star. That's all of my social media handles are Naeem the Star, N-A-I-M-T-H-E-S-T-A-R. Uh, season two of Assisted Living should be premiering uh, sometime in May, I believe, um, on BET. It'll probably be coming on, you know, 8, 8.30 sometime on Wednesday at that time, unless they change the time slot. Um, you can catch me on Sirius XM channel 96, straight from the heart, every Tuesday and Thursday at um, 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Um, and look out for the Plastic Cup Boys Netflix comedy special. Should be coming out, you know, I would think in the next three months. We air, we are shooting that this weekend and then it'll probably air in the next few months. Busy, busy. Naive the star? I want a clown. Yep. I don't know no naive the star. <laughs> My man. Thank you, man. Great Thank conversation, man. Yeah. You and my daughter have the same middle name. Her name is Ali. Oh, no. Oh, Naeem Lynn is your first name. No, Lynn is my last name. Lynn is your last name? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, my daughter's middle name is Lynn. My mm. mama's name is Lynn. Yeah, nope. Lynn is, that's that's the, that's from the slaves, slave owners. Yep, that's Lynn. my real name. Naeem Ali. So what, what, what's the uh, background on that? So I was born Muslim, right? My uh, parents were in the nation when I was born. And, you know, we got um, my brother and I, we have Muslim names, but we just kept our real last name. And uh, yeah, that's how I got my name. And Ali is just perfect for me. It, it was it was only right because I don't love anybody more than Muhammad Ali. Yeah. I mean, outside of my family, like as far as like someone just being influential in my life, and just admiring someone, no one greater than Muhammad Ali. Oh. oh. This was a great conversation, man. I really enjoyed it, man. I've always been a big fan, but uh, thanks oh, for coming on. I don't tell him that. He might get all big kidding and stuff. It can't get no bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, man, uh, I enjoyed this. Uh, whenever you want to do it again, whatever, I'll be looking a lot better. I'm wolfing now. I'm getting my hair cut tomorrow. I'll be you good. You, I, I wanted the real you. Well, this ain't the real me. I don't usually look like this. But well, I, I appreciate you. Have a great weekend. And I'm so fucking, I don't tell you this, like when we DM and stuff like that, because I just don't, but I'm really fucking proud of you. Well, well thanks, mom. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking proud of you too. <laughs> Turn across the world. Welcome to Cherry's World. Turn across the world. Welcome to Cherry's World, representing for every girl. Welcome to Cherry's World, representing for every girl. Welcome to Cherry's World. Hey, if you're listening to Cherry's World Podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, please give us a five star. Let us know what you think. Leave us a review. I want to hear from you. Thank you. Head over to Grits Teas. That's G-R-I-T-T-E-Z.com. They've got something for everybody. Athletics, humor, spiritual, and the woke communities. 
Come express yourself through apparel that communicates passion and perseverance. Use the checkout code CHERRY and you'll get 10% off of everything right now.